<clears throat> and now I'm out of coffee, but I can't have more than one. You're delicate. I am delicate. Isn't that what we're going to talk about today? Delicate hop cones? There's the bumper. I am delicate. <laughs> I think we started. Yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> I am. D- Welcome to this week's episode of Hopnology, <laughs> subtitled I- Greg is Delicate. Greg is Delicate. <laughs> wow. And just like that, half of the listeners, you know, end this episode. We're going to see a strange form, waveform on the statistics on this one where, you know, how many people listen for less than 10 seconds? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. We've been expecting that for a long time. We have been. We have been. Yeah. This might be the one that finally chases them away. Mm. Oh, my. Hi, everyone. It is that time again. It is. <laughs> you sound more excited. <laughs> well, I'm just you know, remorseful for our listeners. <laughs> they're putting up with this. Their okay. they're, they're, they're court-ordered listening session. <laughs> oh, is that what this is? Yeah. Yep. You know, it's like uh, when you go to uh, contest your speeding ticket, and they're like, you can do that, or you can listen to Hopnology for a couple of weeks. Ah, <laughs> I'll pay the damn ticket. <laughs> oh, my. That, um... That actually explains a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that explains a lot. Ay-yi-yi. Speaking of speaking of speeding tickets, I got one on Thursday. Going where of all places to New Glarus Brewery to help them prune their apple orchard. Uh-huh. Yeah, going through town, nine miles over the speed limit. They stopped you for going nine over. Yeah, and it's not like I was going down a residential main street. It's a freaking highway that goes right on the edge of town. And he stopped me for going nine miles over the speed limit. Wow. $174. Oh, yeesh. Yeah. I'm like, wow. thank you very much. So when I pulled in there into the brewery and they're standing on the orchard waiting to prune, I'm like, oh, this is an expensive trip. And they go, don't worry, we'll make it up in beer. <laughs> I'm like, that can, that can be done. You, uh, do, do you ask Dan whenever you see him when he's going to start shipping beer to me in Connecticut? Because I, I the want... answer to that is never. I know it's never. I want my Moon Man. Yeah. Well, it's just too bad I have two cases. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, speed. I, we were discussing speeding tickets here the other day with my son who's learning how to drive, mm-hmm. and I explained to him I I have three speeding tickets in in my life, and each one came within two weeks after buying a new car. And, oh my and... God! I have so many. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. But, well, what I was trying to explain, he was talking actually about the fact, the muscle memory of knowing how fast you're going and the mm-hmm. fact that he feels like he stares at the speedometer too much to make sure he's not speeding. And he's like, I just can't, I'm not feeling that point when I'm going too fast or too slow. And and we talked about muscle memory quite a bit. And I told him, I said, that's why I think I've got these tickets over the years is that with a new car, you're starting over again with, with that sense of the fact that you're going too fast or too slow. So, uh, yeah, speeding ticket's not good. So how fast can you get from one place to another? How's that for a transition into today's topic? How fast can we move things around? You mean conveyance? Conveyance! Let's talk about conveyance. Yeah. I don't even know how this topic came up, but I figured, yeah, what the hell? The speeding topic or the conveyance topic? The conveyance topic. (laughs) Conveyance topic. Yeah. So we're getting into the hot processing side of things here this week. Yep. So moving hop, moving specifically moving dry hops around mm-hmm. and uh, all the different crazy mechanisms I've ever seen for people moving dried hops around. And I just noticed that on the discord, one of our hopnologists just posted 
said spring hopyard work and listening to hopnology. No beer, no beers yet this a.m. though. <laughs> Outstanding. Well oh, done, nice. Kyle. Yes. Very good. Pop in those earbuds. Mm-hmm. You know, start working on the field and listen to us babble on. You bet. That's hey. we're definitely babblers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, the court mandated thing I like. So when I think about how you move hops from one place to another, I mean, my my initial reaction is hops in garbage bags slung over my shoulder, carrying them across the room where hopefully there is a bottle of naproxen sodium waiting for me <laughs> for, for the backache I'm going to have from lugging my hops back and forth. Yeah. You take naproxen like people, other people eat M&Ms, I think. I do. I do. I have my candy bowl. Yeah. Moving hops around. Yeah, this is assuming they're dry, of course. And all small growers to start off the same way. They've got some sort of dryer that they're dumping wet hops into. They're drying them down. And then it's at that point they figure out, how the heck am I going to get these things out of there? So they get in there with a scoop shovel or a tupper, you know, some Rubbermaid tub and start scooping hops out and moving them to wherever they're going to move them to. Or they just like get in there and start cramming them into grain bags. And you know what? That's fine. That's that's how we all start out. Where you don't have to go absolute nutso about how am I going to move my dry hops around. But there are a couple of things that you need to keep in mind. Number one is that the more you, if these are properly dried, you know, let's say eight to ten percent. I keep get, hate giving that range because eight percent is the gold standard. Uh, then the lupulin is going to be loose. You can jangle the hops around, the lupulin's going to fall out. It's not like all going to fall out, but it's going to fall out. Uh, If you're using heat, likely you're going to have some hops that are over dry, especially on whatever uh, surface is the leading leading surface for the hot air. So if you're doing downdraft, it'd be on the top. If you're doing upflow, it'd be on the bottom. And those hops are likely going to be over dry, which is not uncommon for heated drying. And they're going to crumble. The bracts are going to fall off. Keep that in mind. How you move these things around determines how much whole cone you have intact by the time it gets to where it's going. (laughs) Yeah. Right? What else do we know about hops? We know that dried hops hops take up very, how should I say, they take up a lot of space for as much as they weigh. Right? They have a very, very low bulk density. So if you had loose hops, again, piled into just a cube, and uh, at 8%, they'd weigh around 1.3 pounds per cubic foot. That's cotton weighs more than that. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, they don't weigh a lot. So think about when, we, when we're talking about yields, if you're at even, let's say, 500 pounds dry to the acre, that's a lot of cubic feet to move around yep. manually by hand. So keep that keep that in mind when you're planning out your drying space or your post drying processing space. Take up a lot of space, mm-hmm. and that's always, especially if you're very small scale. That's always fun to explain to your spouse why they can't park in the garage anymore. Mm-hmm. That's usually your first drying drying facility is your garage, mm-hmm. and again, needs must right. So that's totally normal. But getting them from one place to the other is important, and we do that. You're either doing it manually or you're doing it mechanically. Manually, again, because, you know, our time isn't worth anything, right? We don't ever consider how much our time is worth and the the labor that goes into moving this stuff around. Right. 
but you know, it's not like for, for those of you row croppers out there, it's not like getting into the bottom of your silo and shoveling dried corn into the auger, right? Where it's just like, move it around like it's gravel. No, you can't treat it like that. The rougher the, you know, the rougher you are with these things, the, the more they're going to fall apart. And as Dan's fond of saying, when that magic gold dust hits the floor, you're done. There's no scooping it back up and putting it in your, into your beer. Um, I don't know. It sounds like a marketing ploy for some beer, you know, floor uh, beer. Floor beer. Yep. There's floor, there's floor pie. There Watch is floor pie. Floor beer. Yeah, there is. I've seen a lot of floor beer going down the floor drain because it's mm. awful. Uh, how are you going to move this stuff around? So you could, you could get into that dryer. Uh, let me back up. What does your dryer setup look like? Let's start there. What is the design? The kind of textbook vanilla dryer design is some sort of vessel, right? Let's call it a an open top box. So it's a bed with sides and you're filling it up with hops. You're pulling air through it, drying it down. Now you got to get it out. How are you going to get it out? Usually there's a one side is of that dryer is removable. So like the hops could spill out, right? Mm-hmm. But then you've got to walk into the dryer to get in there to scoop, or you're going to use a long rake and try to drag things out. But I'm assuming you've got a perforated floor, and the more you rake, you know, put that implement in there and pull those hops towards you, the more jostling you're doing, the more grinding of those hops against one another you're doing. You're, cre- you're breaking off bracts, you're losing lupulin. Is that really smart? Yep. Probably not. That, that's different if you're doing one of these... Um, like tray dryers, which I, unless you're a backyard grower, I don't advise you using a tray system. So we're going to talk about beds. Mm-hmm. I've seen other designs. People say, well, do you have a, a, a false bottom? Do you have a trap door? which just drops all those hops down all at once. Well, where are you dropping them to? Sure, you could do that, but where are they going? Right? They're going to drop down into some, into the plenum that's underneath your hops. And then what are you going to do with them? You're going to push them somewhere? So let's think about usually when we're conveying anything, we want to use the least amount of energy possible and to keep the system as simple as possible because Mm -hmm. complicated mechanics go wrong fast. Just look at your wolf harvester. So we would like to say the easiest way to do this that we found is using what we call a live floor. And a live floor, you'll see this in like a, landscaping vehicles or even some pickup trucks you can get these little attachments that go on the on the bed for like moving gravel or mulch out of the back of a pickup truck and basically it's a heavy duty fabric or tarp of some sort hooked up to a mandrel or a roll and either an electric winch or a hand crank and as you roll that tarp up onto the mandrel it pulls it forward and dumps stuff off your tailgate same thing can be used in your hop dryer where you have, instead of a tarp, you've got a perforated mesh. And I used uh, industrial uh, polyethylene netting from industrialnetting.com for hours. And it had like quarter inch opening. So tons of, you know, it was like 90 some percent open space for airflow, Hmm. but also really heavy duty so that it could, you know, you could, you could pull on it and it wasn't going, going to break. And what you would do is you'd lay this mesh on the bottom of your dryer and then wrap it up the back of the dryer. Because as you start to pull this mesh out after they're dry, the back edge of that hotbed 
as you pull it away from the wall, is going to fall backwards as it reaches its stable slope. Like when you're, you know, piling sand in the sandbox and you get the pile higher and all of a sudden one side sloughs off. Angle of repose, I think it's called. Uh, so you want to make sure that you've got enough fabric. Right, and usually we wrap it up all the way up the back of the wall just to make sure that as you're, let's say if you've got, you know, two and a half feet of hops in a four foot deep dryer, you're going to need at least that much extra on your mesh in order to make sure you're not losing it all into the plenum underneath the dryer. And then you got to send, you know, Reggie down there with shop vac. It's not fun. Well, and that was going to be one of my questions is what, why not a shop vac? A lot of jostling. Why not use a vacuum? Well, let's, let's talk about why not, why not in a minute. So continuing with this live floor thing, you're going to wrench this thing out the hotbed's going to incrementally move forward and the leading edge is going to fall off into something. What is that something? That leading edge could be, you know, that something could be some sort of bin. You know, like one of those kind of, uh, I don't know what you call them, those big plastic yard work bins that you use to move around soil. It looks like a wheelbarrow. It's got two wheels, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, could be, I've seen people use laundry carts. I've seen people use all sorts of things if they're going to move these dried hops from one place to another. But the idea here with this live floor is that you have you have jostled those hops as absolutely little as possible, getting them out of the dryer. And that's where I usually see most of the damage and the lupulin losses coming from is how people empty their dryer. So be very careful about that. Be as gentle as you possibly could be at that point. You're getting them out onto something. I'll, let's talk about conveyors in a second, uh, like uh, belt conveyors. But you said, why not a shop vac? So sure. why not use vacuum or pneumatics to transfer your hops? Can you do that? You absolutely, you could do that. Heavy jostling, though, to your A point. lot of jostling and a lot of, of friction not against the hop cones, against themselves, and against the inside of the tube that they're being conveyed in. That lupulin that's released in that process is going to coat the inside of that tube and anything else that's in that pneumatic conveyance system. And as it gets heavier and heavier, it creates more and more turbulence and the efficiency goes way down and you actually create more jostling the thicker this goo layer, lupulin goo layer gets on the inside of these tubes. And I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But that, that is done. It's absolutely done that way. And in many cases, pre-hammer milling, hops are conveyed pneumatically uh, through low pressure, or you call it vacuum, creating what's called a, a gravity gap between where the hops are coming out of a bale breaker and this big gap. Literally, it's a, it's a gap to the floor or to a grate or something where foreign debris, objects heavier than hop cones, fall and aren't sucked up into the airstream to take it to your hammer mill, mm -hmm. which is a way to separate foreign material. That's big scale stuff. That's, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of pellets that you're dealing with. That's not what we're dealing with here. So don't try to reinvent the wheel. Plus that equipment is super expensive. Again, I'll talk about that in a minute. Keep it simple. Keep it as simple as possible. But in that simplicity, keep in mind the level of jostling that you're doing to these things. Because again, now we're assuming that you've grown them correctly, you've dried them correctly. Now you're almost to the optimum product. 
And by jostling it and being rough with them, you are losing lupulin, you're breaking up cones, you're you could even be introducing oxygen into those dried dried lupulin glands, and that's no good. Be gentle. The way the most gentle way we found to do this is by using conveyors. What we would do when you have a large volume, so we'd say we had four dryers that were um, 12 feet by 24 feet by four feet deep. That's a lot of hops to move. And so they all had live floors and they would, when one was ready to, to go, was dried, ready to be emptied, the bottom part of one of those sides would open up. The live floor would engage and would pull those hops out very gently to very gently fall onto a conveyor that was running on the outside that would take them away to a baler. That was as gentle as we could make it. We would also make it such that when they were being conveyed to a hopper, let's say, that they wouldn't have too far to fall. Because again, you know, you're dumping these things into on top of each other and they're they're going to form a, a mound and they're going to cascade down each other. And all that activity jostling around creates opportunities to lose lupulin. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's what we would prefer. We preferred conveyors because of that. I have seen people use <laughs> uh, like grain augers. So you know what an auger is? It's this like mm-hmm. giant metal screw in a tube to move hops from one place to another. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> because you're basically putting your hops in a low speed blender at that point. Oh gosh. <laughs> and it's just gonna it's just gonna chew them up. I mean, those augers work great for grain. Don't do it with your hops. Just don't do it. Interesting. Actually, years ago, when we first started hop processing, we used a big one, like a 10-inch auger, to transfer hops from the bale breaker to the, the hammer mill. Yep. And I think in that aspect, it's fine because they're going to get ground up almost immediately anyway. So I don't think it's that big of a deal at that point. But don't do that from like your dryer to your baler. You're just going to grind it up and uh, game on for oxidation and lupulin losses at that point. Hmm. No good there. Yeah. I, I do remember that auger setup um, mm-hmm. into the hammer mill and because we had a there we had a height thing going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that was my next my next point just about conveyance in general is let gravity work for you. Mm-hmm. And we mounted our hammer mill on top of our our pellet mill just so that when it got ground up in the hammer mill, I didn't have to convey that sticky powder. It just fell down into the pellet mill. Easy peasy. And then the stuff that came out of the pellet mill was densified and easily conveyable at that point. So let gravity work for you. Sure. And really, you're—I mean, correct me if I'm wrong—but once once you grind them up in the in the hammer mill, you want to to put that through the pellet mill as soon as possible. It's not like you're grinding it up and then storing it for later for for final processing. You want to do all that right after each other, regardless. Yep, absolutely right. And I have seen many old people say, "Well, can I just? I don't want to ship all these hops to you to process." You know, these bales, so I'm just going to grind them up and put them in drums and mail them to you, ship them to you. No, don't do that. <laughs> Not unless you're going to grind them up and immediately purge them with nitrogen or something like that. But even then, it's a bad idea. Hmm. Don't do that. Pelletize them immediately after you grind them. But let's say I had my pellet mill and my hammer mill side by side, which we did for a long time before we, well, not a long time, a few years before we were big enough to actually invest money in our system to to do this. But, 
you know, it's like, okay, you're grinding these hops up and then what are you grinding them into and how are you going to get it up again into a pellet mill? Well, in some cases, when we were really small, it was being ground into tubs and then we'd lift those tubs up and dump them into an auger that was feeding the pellet mill, mm-hmm. you know, and we were being the, we were the dosing meter to make sure everything was flowing at the correct rate. Yeah. You were, you were the conveyance. Yep. Because again, because your time is free. <laughs> My time is free and I didn't have the resources to, I just dumped money into a $25,000 pellet mill and a $5,000 stainless steel hammer mill. And <laughs> I didn't have money left over for moving stuff around. Plus in the, the facility we were in, we didn't have the, the, the ceiling height to mount them. Uh, vertically sure so needs must and the way that we figured was the well not only the quote cheapest because our time wasn't worth anything uh, but also the simplest method that we come up with was literally grinding the stuff into rubbermaid tubs and we would lift them up into this pellet mill and hand meter them into the pellet mill wow not super efficient from a labor standpoint but we were also learning the pelletizing process at the time and that gave us intimate contact with with the mechanical aspects of this process to make sure nothing was going to go wrong and when when it did go wrong we could stop it sure sure so that there is there is that point where you need to be that invested in the minutiae to learn how it's all working i imagine at the same time i mean we we knew that that was not sustainable long term but it was it was the right solution for us until we could go to that next level you do what you've got to do to get by yeah and uh, i get it and i don't think well, I shouldn't. Say, I was going. To, I was about to say. I don't think anyone out there is looking at ways to shortcut it just to save money. What? Yes, of they are. yes, they are. Absolutely, everyone is. That's called uh, business. That's called business. Yeah, right. But we, you know, as as small scale hop growers and hobbyists, come business people are trying to reduce our cost exposure, and I get it. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can't handle changing all these variables all at once. I can't write a check and have a full, fully functioning processing operation. Uh, and those of you who think that you can are wrong. <laughs> it will fail. It's, it's more difficult than that. Why, why, um, why are we whispering? Ah, because I usually yell that part. <laughs> you got to keep that in mind is that you got to do what's right for you. And I get it. And we're talking about optimum systems. And I'm telling you the way we used to do things because I want to show you the evolution that we went through in order to get to what we felt was not only the most efficient process for conveying hops and getting them into the hammer mill and then, frankly, to the pellet mill, but also the one that did the least amount of damage. Mm -hmm. Because you're never – the act of pelletizing, if you do it perfectly, the whole hop processing thing, not just pelletize, but the entire hop processing thing, if you do it perfectly, the absolute best you can hope for is to do no damage. You are not adding any value from an aroma, flavor, plant chemistry perspective to that cone at all. Zero. It is purely a means of usability, you know, form factor for the customer. And there is some some aspect of reducing, you know, oxidation potential. Yeah, but you're right. You're just you're just trying to minimize damage at that point. Yep. Yeah, I, I only want to do the damage that I intend to do. <laughs> that way. <laughs> yes. Well, what damage? I'm going to grind these up anyway. Yeah, they they got to get there. They got to get I, there in one piece before you do. pulverize them. The the tricky thing about hops and conveyors is lupulin. 
because it will, no matter what you do, hop, dried hops will give off lupulin resin. Mm-hmm. And that shit sticks to everything, including somehow or another, you know, a bract will break off and get in between the bottom of the conveyor belt and the rollers. Oh. And you'll start building up goo on one side because you get a little gooey spot on one side. It just attracts more goo. And what that will do is it will change the tracking on your conveyor belt such that now one, one side of the roller diameter is getting bigger. And that's going to, in effect, push your conveyor belt in the opposite direction. So what started off as a lovely tracking conveyor belt right in the middle of your conveyor frame at 7.30 that morning, by 10 o'clock in the morning, is now grinding against the side of the frame and you're throwing off all kinds of rubber shards and you're like, what the hell? This has only been running for a few hours. What's the problem? Well, it's likely that you've got resin buildup on the rollers and the conveyor belt, which means that you don't have a well-sealed system to prevent that from happening. And believe me, hops love to find holes in your well-sealed system. <laughs> oh, I am, I am sure. And of course, it, you know, as an aside, we've talked, it's been a while since we've talked about it. We've talked about how important it is to clean and guard the goo. I mean, the, the, the cleaning is horrible. The only thing worse than cleaning is waiting too long and then cleaning. Yeah, we would buy, I was never to the 55-gallon drum stage of denatured alcohol, but we were to the five-gallon pails of denatured alcohol. And we would go through those like nobody's business, cleaning all this stuff. And even in some cases, we'd out, we'd do this outside, of course, but we would dump that stuff into a makeshift plastic-lined tub and soak entire conveyor belts in it. Wow. Just to clean them off after the end of the season because it's just there's no way you're going to sit there and scrub it and scrub it and scrub it with some Simply Green or whatever. Uh, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, hops, hops love to find the most inconvenient path to wrecking your machinery. Keep that in mind if you're designing conveyor systems. And that, that goes for, for green hops or dried hops. The, the resin buildup is going to be dramatic. Dried hops are worse. But if it's running on a conveyor, you can expect to get lupulin buildup. And it's going to build up in the most inconvenient places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just It's going to happen. Pay extra special attention to your tracking. And if you've got your tracking on your conveyor belt set and they seem to be running great and they're like, run, the belts are running empty and you could run that belt for 18 days empty and nothing's wrong and you run it for two hours with hops on it and it loses its tracking, you know that something is happening with the buildup on your rollers. The answer to that is not going back and readjusting the tracking all the time and constantly tightening and tightening and tightening that belt. It's figuring out how those hops are getting how the resin and the hops potentially are getting in between the belt and the roller and fixing that. Sure. Usually sure. it involves duct tape and aluminum flashing and sometimes cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we used aluminum foil in a few cases too because... Oh, yeah. I believe those are all things we need to add to the Amazon list. <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. basic. Those are basic blocking and tackling supplies that you should always have laying around. Yep. Hashtag not sponsored, but... Right. <laughs> gorilla tape. Is awesome. That's all I gotta say. Mm. Uh, I would buy that stuff by the case. I'm a fan of their glue myself. Yeah, mm. yeah. In your hair, <laughs> is that uh, what you do to keep your keep your naturally curly hair all I, I, flattened out? 
I actually use it on a fairly regular basis to repair the ceramic statues around in the lawn that end up getting hit by my car when they're being stored for the winter. I have a, I have a goose with a broken neck and a ballerina <laughs> with a broken leg that are both requiring my attention now that it's getting warm out and I have to put them back outside. I thought you were going to say you use it to wax your back. But I'm glad you no. went that other route. Yeah. No, there are there are special pills for that. Ah, okay, nice. So that's that's hot conveyance, and we talked about pneumatics a little bit. There's a, a grower friend of mine who's from for a small scale producer, fairly large, dozens and dozens of acres, and uh, he has a pneumatic conveyance system for wet hops that coming off the harvester. So he's harvesting in one building, and he's basically blowing them over through a series of, of aluminum pipes that are about 10 inches in diameter into his drying building. And uh, he's got this big snorkel trunk, snuffleupagus looking thing that he, <laughs> he moves around to different dryers to fill them up. And from a conveyance method, it works great, but it does beat up the hop cones. Oh, there's, sure. no, there's no doubt about it. It sounds like the drive through at the bank. It's... Pretty much like the drive through at the bank, mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, I know some brewers have gone there and, and looked at that system and said, you know what, that's great, but I don't like what you're doing to those hops, so I'm mm-hmm. not keen on buying them. Wow. But from from a, an efficiency standpoint of moving, you know, cones from one place to the other, that's a way to do it. But the resin buildup, the lupulin buildup was ridiculous, such to the point where uh. he had, like, Roto-Rooter come out with, like, their steam attachment and have to go in and clean out the insides of these tubes. Sure. Like after the end of a day or two. And oh, that, that soon. Wow. He would get a wad of lupulin out of the end of that the size of a softball. Sheesh. Just in a day or two of, of conveyance. And that's wet. Think of what that would do to dry cones. Oof. And so that's why, like, you know, you, you think you've got it all figured out, but then you're like, yeah, really? Is there a reason why everybody's using conveyors? Yeah, there's a reason why everybody's using conveyors. Yeah. And yet at the outset, I mean, it sounds like a fan. I'm sure he was very proud to bring folks out to see that and say, look, look what I did here. It sounds like a great idea until you understand the ramifications of, of jostling those around. And it's not like it was spitting out shredded hop cones out the other end, but there were a lot of bracks. And you could tell this certainly if they were overripe when they were being harvested and they didn't explode in the, in the harvester, they, they'd get chewed up pretty good in the conveyance of those things. So, so let, and, me pull a, let me pull a Kevin here and, and throw out there, okay, so you're telling me that that vacuum process is, is too much jostling, but after all of the, the pulling and yanking that's going on as they go through the harvester? If the harvesting action is that aggressive that it's shredding your hop cones, you've got your settings wrong or your hops are too overripe. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. I don't want to get in the physics of this, but the <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you know you do. Pneumatic conveyance of hop cones, wet hop cones, as long as they are right or you know not overripe, the likelihood that you're going to actually damage that cone going through the system is relatively low. But it's an optics thing. It's a it's a perception is reality thing. So if you've got brewers out there seeing these cones blown into your your dryer and what they're seeing coming out the other end is a bunch of loose bracks, that's a problem. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'm not saying that there is a quality issue going on there because, frankly, the lupulin is on the bract and you're not necessarily damaging the bract. 
because they're all going to be dried down anyway, right? So I don't particularly have a problem with it. The concern that there is with running a system like that is the lupulin buildup on the inside of those tubes. And if it's building that lupulin up, that means it's not in your cones. Right. And so you've got to make, to your, the perception thing is a really good point. Um, because we've talked many times about getting your brewers out there to see your operation and being proud of it, and that's that's a concern. But yeah, that buildup from what you said after just a day or two, the maintenance involved there might might be so excessive that it takes away any benefit you had from the conveyance being so effective. Well, he ended up, this particular grower needed ended up buying his own Roto-Rooter steam wand, and it was just part of their daily clean-out operation. Yeah, because otherwise the, you know, the diameter of that tube gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but your force is staying the same. So that means your velocity is increasing, which adds more jostling and breaks up cones and blah, blah, blah. So just don't do it. <laughs> just don't. Well, I do it, not do it. What do I care? But <laughs> what happens? Would... You can do whatever you want to do. Well, so I'm trying to. See, I'm changing, Greg. No, you're not. I'm whispering now. I'm not saying you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm evolving. I'm, I'm trying to be a better person. E- evolving. Okay. I, I, I know you watched Godzilla Kong last night, and I think that's where the evolving <laughs> part is coming from. Mm, yeah. Uh, devolving. So mm. that's – conveyors are also expensive, and you look at the, the cost of moving stuff around. You're like, I could have all of these mechanical contraptions with all these potential points of failure. Or I could blow this stuff and have really only one moving part in a mechanical system. Yes, that is absolutely likely more robust mechanical setup. And it works great for plastic pellets and styrofoam and wood fiber and all kinds of stuff like that. And and even corn and things that are robust. But when we're moving hop cones, you have to keep in mind they're going to give off all the sticky crap. And is it really the best thing for the hop cone? In some cases, not so much. Certainly, again, if they're on the edge of overripe and they're going to shatter easy, you're just adding more jostling to that mix. It is impressive to see. And I I applaud the creative thinking there because it solved an issue. But is it ultimately the best? Probably not from a hop cone integrity standpoint. Mm -hmm. Notice I didn't say quality. I said integrity. Yeah. Right. Because I can't, I mean, I have not seen any studies looking at conveyed, you know, belt conveyance versus pneumatic conveyance, wet hops and their relative oxidation levels. <laughs> so right. you just got, you just got visual examples, what you've seen happen. And, uh, right. and it's, it's logical that if you're scrubbing out lupulin every day, then okay, that lupulin should have been going along for the ride. And Correct. Clearly there's going to be some degradation. Well, I'm just, you know, remorseful for our listeners. <laughs>